I'm the token atheist in that crowd that night. And like recognizing that it's how can I put something artfully in a way that makes my point without also being so blunt that it comes off as me being a dick? Like that thought definitely goes through my head. And some like there's also no I'm nice. Sure. There's also no nice way to tell people like they've dedicated their lives to a lie, which is kind of <laughs> what <laughs> that's kind of what atheism is in that venue. Right. Like me saying God doesn't exist. Like I'm telling everyone there the reason you are all here. You've you've devoted yourselves to lies. I don't know that there's a nice way to put that, but I know <laughs> in a situation like that, I know why I'm there. I'm trying to put it in a way that doesn't come off that way while still making my point clear. Welcome to Grown Up Christian. I'm Casey. And I'm Sam. And it's been a heck of a week. Um, so, Sam, I posted a photo of this in the Discord, so you kind of know the, where this story is going. Yeah. But uh, I'm a sales manager for a company that works with, like, car repair places. And so we did a big training night for independent shops up in Topeka. Topeka is a state capital, and it's also a dump. <laughs> it's, a, it's a terrible place, and I don't know why the capital's there. It's like, couldn't we build a new building or something? Like, it should be in Wichita, but it's just not. It's in Topeka. Dude, real and, quick, do you know all your state capitals? You mentioned Topeka being the capital. It's like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. If someone like asked you to say the capital of all 50 states, would you do it? Right. Well, give me, give me a shoot one out. Let Dude, me. I don't even know see. all fifty states. Good. So, <laughs> <laughs> do you at least know a few? I know like uh, a couple, but I'm afraid if I say one, I won't know the capital, and then I'll look stupid. <laughs> all right, uh, South Dakota. Ah, shit. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're zero for one. Good work. We don't have to play this game. I didn't mean to do this to embarrass <laughs> myself. It was just like a quick yes or no question before you got back into your story. Well, I feel pretty confident that I know him better than you. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> well, you at least went to a school. I was homeschooled, so that wasn't important. <laughs> you know why I know this? any of the state capitals at all? Because you Is, go to so many of them. <laughs> well, there, yeah, there's that. I've been to a lot of them. But when I was a kid, my mom had like these plastic placemats that she'd put out when we were eating breakfast, you know? Oh, yeah. And we had one that had like, it was like a map of the states and it had all 50 state capitals on there and you had to match them, you know? And yeah. so like we had that one and then we had one that was just like the states themselves and you had to like place them yeah. based on their shape. And I feel like that's the only reason I can recall most of that stuff. I spent like three years eating Oreo O's and, and looking at state capitals. <laughs> Dude, we had those though. Like, so we definitely had to learn them. And I had the same type of thing where it's just like, here's a map. It would just be the outlines and I had to write in which states are. And I, I remember at one point memorizing all of them for to, to pass a test and then having to do it with capitals, I think. But man, it didn't stick. It's like sad how. 
how bad like if you gave me a blank map and then had if i would be embarrassing it would look like like a fourth grader put that together anyway we don't really need to keep uh focusing on how little i know about the united well, states map there's an important question that i need to ask you before we move on to my topeka experience what is like okay let's say 10 year old sam's cereal of choice oh uh probably oh this is that's tough lucky charms uh i feel like was one of them like okay. i had a I, I, trashy but okay yeah true. i mean whatever i had <laughs> but we always just had like my mom was like that was one thing she always was like pretty good about was like having like good cereal so it was like uh <laughs> that's the one thing she was good at. no but i just but we i had uh i had friends who didn't get the good cereal and we did and we, we never got like off brand, like store brand. It was always like legit stuff. So like Reese's Puffs, Apple Cinnamon Cheerios, Lucky Charms. And I feel like those I have those like the three that come to mind is like the big ones. What, okay. were, what were yours? Mine are Oreo O's. Delicious. What? Oreo O's. They're like uh, little black Cheerios and they're excellent. And sometimes during the year, like I don't really eat cereal anymore, but sometimes during the year they'll come out with uh, like the blonde Oreos. I don't know what oh, you yeah. call them, but they have Oreos that are that. And those are amazing too. But uh, do you remember Rice Krispie Treats? Yes, I was going to say that. I That's one thing my mom never bought because it was like eating rice crispy treats for breakfast which all, it is I mean, exactly that yeah it, <laughs> granted it probably wasn't much different than like the sugar like the grams of sugar compared to all the other cereals but rice crispy treat cereal was so good i remember buying that in college a good bit yeah th those were excellent and you can't find them anywhere anymore i they like reintroduced them a couple of years back and i was just walking by and i saw that pink box out of the corner of my eye and i was like oh <laughs> yes i bought some but dude i only like cereals that like if you drank the milk afterwards it made you dizzy oh god i never really liked <laughs> drinking the milk afterwards but i never even really ate rice krispie treat cereal in milk I, I remember just sitting in a college dorm room and just like shoveling that shit into my pie hole like crazy that was your nacho cheese huh yeah oh yeah oh just a box of rice krispie treat cereal <laughs> i used to also get um teddy grams like a box of teddy grams and like a jar of like betty crocker frosting because that was basically dunkaroos but like in mass scale and you would just like dip your teddy grams into frosting <laughs> <laughs> that's not a bad plan yeah, it was good D okay so we haven't talked about dan kelly in a while but uh <laughs> and dan knows exactly where i'm going with this if he's listening but uh dan got hooked on that totino's nacho cheese for a while in the glass jar oh yeah and he was just eating that like solely instead of going to the dining hall he was just eating totino's nacho cheese on chips but then eventually he just quit buying chips and then he was literally just like just dumping a thumb into it <laughs> that's disgusting <laughs> Oh God! He would play. He would sit there and eat raw nacho cheese out of a jar and play Knights of the Old Republic and not go to class. That was his <laughs> mo. <laughs> uh, oh my God! All right. So what happened in Topeka? Let's uh, let's rally here. So I go to Topeka 
for this training night and we're doing it at the Ramada downtown, which if you mention, if you say a, a hotel by name and mixed with downtown, like what is it that automatically brings to mind? Like grandiose, like so you, you're thinking that's a nice hotel, right? I but so, if you're in Topeka, <laughs> like you're looking through hazy windows at yellowed curtains at the Ramada downtown. Are the are all the windows in the first floor barred? <laughs> probably. I don't recall specifically, but I'm I'm sure you're probably right. <laughs> like they have to bolt in the uh, the AC units from the from the room side so that people don't just pull them out and run. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we pull up, and uh, my buddy John and I were riding together, and we pull up, and we're looking at this place, and we're like, uh Oh God. Okay. And there's an explorer sitting right in front of the, like one of the first parking spots from the door, right? Right in front of the lobby and across in paint markers across the front or the back window, it says F Biden and F you for voting for him. Uh, Trump 2024. Classic. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're what? We're like four, almost five months outside of the election. Yeah, he's still my count. having a hard time with that, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> a real hard time to the point where like it like he that guy. I'm trying to imagine what he looks like, and I think there's a 90 percent chance that he has a goatee. <laughs> maybe like, a mullet, maybe a mullet. Um, probably has a lot of American flag shirts and I, like I, with Eagles bald. I, my favorite apparel, uh, and if I'm going to see a piece of apparel and instantly judge somebody on it, um, nothing gives me, uh, or paints a better picture for me than like, like a bluish shirt. It's like with a bald Eagle on it and like American flag kind of covering that bald eagle anything with bald eagles and american flags is like i know probably everything i need to know about you and can make a pretty good judgment call on whether or not you're the kind of person i want to hang out with or not dude on the back it has one of those uh like paragraphs of with like 30 different fonts and it's like you're darn right i'm a grandpa i uh i say merry christmas and please and thank you I, I voted for Trump and I stand for the, for the pledge of allegiance. Like, Oh yeah. You know, like one of those, I love Any? those shirts, by the way, where do you buy one of those? I never see those in person. I, okay. There's, I'll take that back. There's one truck stop that I know of on the way to it, on the way to Topeka that has those shirts. That's the only place I've seen them. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. It's definitely always truck stops that have those like convenience store, truck stop things or whatever. Uh, it's funny, man, while we're like, on that, uh, fuck Biden, fuck you for voting for him, uh, this week. So Spotify, uh, you know how they tell you about music like that, like, like new music Fridays. Um, <laughs> I sent you the song already, but, uh, I looked at me. So every Friday it's like, woo, can't wait. Let's see what's new. Hasn't been great lately, but, uh, there's a rapper that I follow named danny brown do you listen to danny brown do you know who he is 
I've listened to a couple. I've listened to some of his music. I've watched a bunch of his music videos mostly. Okay, dude, he's got great music videos. They are great. He's um, a Detroit guy, isn't he? Oh, I think he might be. What's the um? Oh God, I really want to try to figure it out, but I'm not going to get into it because it's going to take too long. Um, but he, one of his newer music videos was just fantastic. Um, uh, but anyway, there was the so. Every once in a while, I notice that Spotify will like tell you about new music from somebody and it just so happens that it's another artist with the same name and they like switch up so i got but danny brown is like a he's pretty comical like his music videos are often funny even his music like in his raps can be he'll say a lot of like silly things in them sometimes like his and um yeah he's hilarious yeah so when i saw the ad for it like or like when I got the email is like, Oh, new music by Danny Brown. And it's like, uh, the song title is man sitting in the white house. And it's like a dude with like a cowboy hat on and a goatee. And I'm like, Oh, interesting. Like uh, I'm thinking this is like a new song by Danny Brown. That's going to be funny. I click on it and it's like this ridiculous country song about how like the, the rightful, president is going to become president again and that biden is basically out to destroy us and that if america just asks god to forgive them uh god will forgive america's sins and make it great again and give us donald trump back it's like a ridiculous song and but i had to get like 30 seconds in before i realized okay danny brown isn't about to start rapping on this track this isn't gonna turn around <laughs> i thought it was like maybe just gonna be a joke and it took me that long before I realized this isn't a joke. This Spotify just fucked up who this song belongs to. So then I started following Danny Brown on Twitter and he's been posting nonstop about how like Spotify hasn't fucking fixed it yet. And it's driving him nuts. But <laughs> dude, I, I don't want to speak for white Danny Brown, but I think I can confidently say that he doesn't care if you're offended. Oh, I'm sure he doesn't <laughs> care at all. He wears your offense as a badge of honor. For he certain. opens the door for ladies, and he stands for the Pledge of Allegiance. And he doesn't apologize for any of that. He tells it like he sees it. <laughs> Calls it like it is. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, I, I didn't make it through the whole thing. I listened to about half of it, and then I, I just couldn't finish it. But yeah, you said there I mean, was something like weird about the... like. What did you say about the end? It's like Nintendo music or something. Yeah, it uh, goes into this weird. It's kind of feels Kazooie, but synthy. I don't know. He gives this whole like. Uh, he gives like he says something that gives you the whole like, oh, take it away. And then this like weird shitty music starts playing. It's it's just awful. Anyway, it has I looked at it again today. It has like one point one thousand views on youtube so it's not doing great but maybe we can great get it for him yeah uh, probably really well for him and Dude, most he's like telling probably... all of his friends at the eagles or at the uh the moose lodge that like he's really starting to get some traction <laughs> <I know. laughs> and he's probably and, uh, probably more than half of those views are because danny brown's been posted about, or people like me get it on spotify and we're like spotify is just like unintentionally giving this guy a payday but i hope we can get him some more views i really think everyone should check out that song and um 
close their eyes and bow their heads while listening to it and make it make it their prayer to let's say to God. A powerful recording mm. for certain. So my week probably wasn't quite as eventful as yours, but um, I'm just gonna go ahead and throw it out there because it's just so stinking cute for me. Is like my kids started soccer today, and so my daughter, I think I've mentioned, she's five, and my son will be turning four uh, this month, and they're very different like personalities. And my daughter's like dreadfully shy. It's like she at home or with her friends, she's like crazy, exuberant, super outgo, like always loud, crazy, running around, having fun. And, and then you put her in a new environment and she just turns into a complete statue. And it, it, even she even knows it because like, we're like, you know, we'll talk to her about it. Like ask if she wants to say something to somebody or like if someone's trying to introduce themselves to her, like we'll talk to her about it after we're like, were you feeling shy? whatever so she kind of understands like what she's feeling and, and she's pretty good at communicating her feelings for a five-year-old so i picked her up from school the other day and she, we just put her in preschool five days a week she's only going two days a week but she loves it so much that she's been asking to go every day uh so i pick her up from preschool and uh, uh, on her first day going five days a week so she never goes mondays which means there's going to be new kids there because some other some kids just go maybe like Monday, Wednesday, whatever. And I was like, did you make any new friends today, Lainey? Did you meet anyone? She's like, no, I, uh, one girl was talking to me, but I didn't say anything to her. And she asked me if I knew how to talk. And I just, <laughs> and, and, just like, and I just shook my head. Yes. But I didn't say anything because I was feeling shy. <laughs> I was like, that's okay. And, uh, that's adorable. So we, she gets out on the soccer field today. There's like five, it's like six kid teams. I mean, we get out there, she like get her shirt, like her uniform shirt, whatever. And, uh, we step, start stepping away, slowly backing up. And she starts crying and runs to my wife and just wants to be held. So we, she just stood next to us and watched like, kids play soccer for like 30 minutes before she finally was like we we coaxed her into like do you want to just put the ball right there and stand in front of it and then she would and like all right so just kick it across the other side and i went to the other side of like the, where they had these cones set up i was like just kick it to the other side to me i'll be over here and then you can go kick it back to me and she finally got like warmed up and by like the last like 15 minutes of it she was just running around with the, all the other kids trying to kick the ball and play and it was really cute but you know, she talks about how she feels about it afterwards. Like, you know, she's like, I was feeling really shy and I was scared because I like get scared. And then I just, but I felt better when I just watched the other kids play for a little while. And then I wanted to play. And they're like, it's just to me, like listening to her talk about it and try to like figure out how to get her comfortable in this new situation. It's so cute. I, <laughs> and then my son is like, just a goof he doesn't really they're all like three and four year olds in his team so it's just a bunch of like crazy kids just kicking the ball around like yelling and he didn't love it like at first he was kind of feeling a little out of place but then he got like into he doesn't have the same like shy issues that my daughter has and but man watching those like watching them play soccer today was just the one of the cutest fucking things i've seen in so long that's adorable 
Well, uh, I wish you could tell her that uh, that was going to go away at some point, but I, I don't think it ever is for me. I think I'm always going to have those feelings in, in certain situations. like When you play soccer? Yeah, I mean, well, I, maybe not so much in sports because <laughs> I don't know. That's like one of the perks of being a gifted athlete is <laughs> I just feel at home on the field. Yeah, you just jump in on any pickup game and know that you're going to dominate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dude, our our uh our school was so like strapped for for kids to play sports that I started on the varsity basketball team from 7th grade all the way through. Like every game. I played almost all game every game. And I'm five foot six <laughs> and I can successfully hit probably six out of 10 layups. I mean, considering you said hit, I feel like you're using the wrong terminology here. So I, I'm already <laughs> feeling like maybe you're not great at basketball. <laughs> oh, look at you being a, being a gas basketball gatekeeper right now. Yeah, you I'm know, I don't I feel mean, like you even have the career to fall back on that. I do. <laughs> Man, I, uh, I didn't really play any sports. Well, okay. I did play basketball for a little while. And the same thing happened to me in basketball. This is just a pattern in my life is I give up on things because I'm talentless. So (laughs) (laughs) so I, I did it with basketball and then I did it with drums. And then I never tried anything again because I obviously know that I can't be successful at anything that I do. So I... In basketball, I think I gave up my maybe after eighth grade, maybe freshman. I don't think I ever played basketball after like after eighth grade. And I would just do rec leagues. I never tried join like I as a homeschooler, you can join the basketball the sports teams of uh, your local high school. Like, eh, but I never really tried out for that. I would do like your summer rec league and. I'm like, man, I've been playing basketball for like five years and I don't think I've gotten any better. And these kids are pretty good. So I should probably just stop. And I would practice. I would go outside and shoot a lot. Like I would, I I just didn't, I don't have any natural talent. Uh, I don't have that baseline that you need to like, that you can actually make improvements on. It's just like, you're not good at this. You should give up now. And then I, you know, picked up, uh, drums. I wanted to play drums and I did that for a while. And I think I said I was a, like, I probably referred to myself as a drummer or as someone who played drums. But I think by sophomore, either sophomore or junior year, I started. Oh, it was around the time that I started hanging out with kids that were uh, introducing me to metal. And then I watched some of those kids play and I was like, oh, I quit. Like I'm not, (laughs) I gave up so fast after that. That's kind of what I did with guitar too. I, I have a thing with, uh, activities where like I can get into them just enough to spend a bunch of money on them and then never do it again. Is that why you like just build motorcycles and then. Yeah. I don't ride them. them. (laughs) (laughs) Like I build it. I'm excited about it for two weeks and then I just uh, leave it there to rot. <laughs> I can I see you going like, like five miles an hour with it and then just like holding on tight while the thing just falls over sideways with you still on it upright. <laughs> well, I did wreck. I mean, 
I did. I told you about my wreck, didn't I? Uh, I don't think so. So my first time ever riding a bike on the road, uh, I, I bought a bike. I was building a bike myself and then I really wanted April to have one too. She wasn't really that interested in it, but that's, you know, that's what I do. I'm like, I'll buy you one. And you didn't want to just get you know, it just for me. <laughs> yeah. Like this, this gun would be really cool for you. So I'll buy it and tell her it's, it's for her. That's yeah, not yeah. a fair, uh, you know, analysis of every situation, but <laughs> I, I bought this motorcycle that was going to be hers. Right. And it was running, driving, functioning fine. And, uh, I was like, man, I'm, I'm supposed to go do this thing on the other side of town. I'm going to jump on the bike and I'm just going to ride over there. And my buddies are like, my two friends, Davis and Ian were with me and they're like, ah, you've never even ridden on the street before. You don't have a license. You don't have insurance. Like, are you sure that's a good idea? And I was like, "Ah, I'll figure it out. So (laughs) we took off and, uh, I I rolled through a, a almost rolled through a stoplight, you know, and then we kept going and the road is it's M59 if you're familiar with him, Michigan, but it's 55 mile per hour road, two lanes, you know, pretty busy. And at this one portion, there's like this gradual turn that just kind of sweeps around like you don't have to slow down or anything for this turn. I mean, it's just a gradual sweep sweeping turn. And I was just totally unfamiliar with the, the, the idea of like leaning into the turn to steer the bike. Yeah. I just thought I was going to kind of just push the bars in that direction and it was going to (laughs) go. And so I start off going around this turn, I'm doing like 60 and the bike's just not turning. And I went like (laughs) with my buddies behind me in the truck, I went like, like 50 miles per hour off the road into the media like into the uh gravel <laughs> oh my god hit the guardrail and it just like ragdolled me over top of the bars and i just tumbled like down the Jesus. <laughs> i can't believe you got hurt dude i mean did you i broke my hand oh my which god. is still kind of messed up it's got like a big knob in it and uh i took a lot of my the hide off of the right side of my body god Dude. It was kind of a mess. Were you wearing a helmet? Yeah, I was wearing a helmet. Do you and have to wear a helmet the... in Michigan? At the time, you did. Yeah, thank God. They repealed that. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I was like, they're really making some forward steps. Yeah, you know what? My helmet didn't have any scratches on it, so all I can conclude is that you don't need one. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I was wearing a uh, one of those Coles, like uh, Mark Anthony fake leather jackets. Oh. And uh, that did not survive. Yeah, but at least your skin did. <laughs> it literally, like, when they pulled me up to put me in the ambulance, like, the, that coat was just like a poncho of shreds. It was just torn apart. And my buddies who had never met my parents before had to call my dad and, like, let him know that, that I had wrecked the motorcycle he didn't want me to buy in the first place. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that was, that was my first time riding. So, you know, I, I like the way they look. I don't ride them a lot. (laughs) Did you like, 
speaking of that, like giving up on things and stuff, because I feel like I followed a pretty similar pattern with stuff. Was there ever a point at your life in your life where you looked back on stuff and you were like, have I ever tried at anything? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I yeah. There's like a look of pain in your face. Right yeah, now. <laughs> I don't know what to say, man. I mean, I I mean, the reason I'm even where I'm at in life and like didn't like pursue a career path that I was particularly interested in was like, I mean, I was like, I've mentioned before, I was interested in my degree at the time, but I did go through that like little crisis my first year of like, I should do something that's going to actually work, like that's going to provide me with a job. And I mean, the reason I didn't was because other things seemed too difficult for me. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you're looking at the epitome of mediocrity, dude. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's the rule, not the uh, exception. Like, because I feel like I did the exact same thing. I thought about all these different things that I wasn't really convinced I could do. And then I was like, ah, communications. Yeah, forgetting, <laughs> forgetting that the whole point of college is to learn to do something that you don't necessarily know anything about. That's the point. Yeah. So we nailed it. The irony in in a college education is that like whatever you graduate with, like except for a few very specialized things, like if you go into a job from that point forward, no one can assume that you know anything. Oh, yeah. It's like it's still square one. It's just like, well, uh, you exhibited some stick to itness in your uh, your efforts of getting this diploma. Right. So there's that. It's funny that they're like, look, this guy has the reasoning ability to spend $100,000 to learn basically nothing practical so we can teach him everything he needs to know on this job. This sounds like the kind of guy that we want. But if you don't go to college, you're like, I don't know if this guy has what it takes. (laughs) He's our man. (laughs) Oh, God. All right. So who's our guest coming up? Uh, It's uh, Hemant Mehta. Hemant Mehta, yeah, he's more commonly known uh, on the internet as the friendly atheist. He's a uh, pretty prominent blogger. He's been doing it for a long time. I was introduced to his work years and years ago and was one of the people who kind of got my gears turning on like in his criticisms of religion. Uh, And we get into like, you know, where he uh, where he started out. Uh, actually where he's still, I think he still blogs for a, a website called Pathios and they've been around for a long time, kind of hosting all sorts of blogs in relation to science, religion of all sorts. And it's, it's a, it's an interesting place. And I, I that was like pivotal for me. Um, and just being familiar with his work for so long, uh, it was really cool to be able to talk to him about what, you know, what he's been up to and, uh, the types of work that he's trying to accomplish in the world. So it was a cool conversation and we're pretty pumped to uh, share it with you all. Yeah. I think it was, it was interesting to hear from someone who's, who's such a prominent figure in the atheist movement. Cause I feel like there's some, there's some like misconceptions that are given to you from, you know, if you grew up in church, like, the atheists are painted in a very specific way. It's like these people who are angry at religion, uh, 
you know, they can't move on from it. it. I don't know. There's just a lot of things that I thought about atheists when I was still a part of the church. And I think that Hemet is like such a good representation of, of that community. Yeah. And, you know, some of the stuff that he said about like, it, it just, you know, simple things like does God exist and stuff like that. Like they just don't really occupy a lot of his time. Like his focus is on, on trying to promote an environment where, you know, there's a separation from church and state and some of those types of things. So he's tackling some bigger issues and I don't know. It was just, it was a fun conversation. He's a, he's a cool guy that's got a, you know, good sense of humor and stuff. So we had a good time. I think you're going to enjoy this conversation. Uh, if you haven't joined the discord yet, jump on in there. Uh, you can uh, take a closer look at that sweet explorer that I was talking about. <laughs> yeah. We've also been posting some questions and things in there. There's just some really cool stories from people who uh, grew up in similar environments. Uh, had somebody this week that talked about like growing up in a not super religious home, but they found Christianity through a good news club when they were a kid. Yeah. So that's just a lot of interesting stories. And ultimately, like that's kind of my that's what I like the most is just hearing where people came from. So. Yeah, I like that hearing that he came. I liked hearing. No, I shouldn't say I liked it because obviously that caused some issues in his life. But uh, I didn't even know what good news clubs were until our conversation with uh, Catherine Stewart. So for someone to join the Discord and talk about like the impact it had on his life and and getting into some details about that, I was like, wow, that's that that was like a that's a big deal. And that was they were they've done a lot apparently, even though I had no clue what they were. So that was kind of a interesting thing to come full circle yeah so you can find the links in uh, any of our social media pages jump on in there hang out with us there and enjoy a conversation with the friendly atheist hey everyone we're back with our guest Hemet Mehta uh Hemet, thanks so much for hanging out with us and being here gentlemen thank you I'm excited yeah. So for anyone who doesn't know, Hemet is uh, also known as the Friendly Atheist Online. He runs the the friendly, yeah. The friendly, <laughs> <Big> court hands. <laughs> he's doing air quotes for anyone who's yeah. not going to be watching the video of this. But um, he has been doing, you've been doing that blog for a while now. I found it many way years too ago. Long. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, way back before like blogging felt like it was a bigger thing. Um, and yeah, it's been going forever, like 2006, maybe it's been going for a while. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think I found it maybe about eight years ago. Um, and that was kind of in maybe that was like, I had started moving in a different direction, uh, belief wise. And yeah. I kind of just found Pathios in general, which is for many people, a big springboard into, uh, seeing things from another perspective from thoughtful. They have people. a lot of voices. Yeah, they have a lot of different perspectives. So if you're interested in religion, you're bound to find somebody who's either going to challenge you or uh, or you connect with whatever your background is. So that I always found that to be a useful thing. Um, but yeah, I've been I mean, you mentioned that you found it eight years ago. Like I cringe at stuff I wrote yesterday so I can go back through my archives Um I mean, if you especially the older you go back and it's like, oh, God, what did I write? 
Oh my God, that it reads, <laughs> it blogs badly. It reads badly. Um, and it's not stuff I believe anymore, but part of it is when you document your own thoughts on a lot of these issues, um, especially, uh, you know, you always think you're on solid ground wherever you are now. And then a year or two down the line, you're like, nope, don't think that way about that stuff anymore. And it's always very awkward in a very public way to know, oh, wow, I put that out there way back when. Um, so yeah. I don't know, maybe that's useful too for some people. I've never felt the need to go back and get rid of it as much as I kind of want to. So it's kind of all out there. Yeah. So you just kind of sit around waiting to get Kevin Harded or something. <laughs> like that. I, it would be, I would be such a dream, uh, person to run for office if I were my opponent, because <laughs> it's just opposition yeah, for- <laughs> research I've been building for 15 years. It would be so easy. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, that's like the fa- I, I, Facebook memories remind me I sometimes yeah. remove them but every once in a while I'm like I need to see this every year to remind myself that you shouldn't be like that anymore <laughs> right <laughs> I I understand that one yep so uh I was watching some of your videos and stuff and uh I watched one last night where you were on Fox News and you were talking with Tony Perkins <laughs> yeah how often have you uh have you done a lot of like that mainstream news like every now and then um i'll tell you a couple stories there that might be interesting i believe that one which was the last time anyone invited me for anything like that that was like thanksgiving (laughs) weekend and i happened to be visiting relatives was it last not not 2020 pandemic but 2019 um i was in texas visiting a relative And Fox emailed like that morning, Thanksgiving, maybe, or the day after. And they're like, can you talk about some issue I had written about? And I'm like, I immediately say, yeah, fine, I'll do it. And then I'll think about it later. (laughs) But I got to say yes right away. So they know (laughs) I'm interested. Um, (laughs) But basically, I I genuinely forgot what we were talking about. But I remember they wrote back and they're like, cool here's a list of topics we want to discuss. And literally one of them was the stuff I wrote about. Three of them have nothing to do with me. I'm just the token liberal. And I don't remember if they mentioned Tony <laughs> Perkins would be the other guy, but I've written plenty about Perkins. Um, but I, I was one of those things like the, the basic media rule is you go in with one or two things you really want to say. I mean, any politician will tell you this too. You go in with one or two things you want to say, And no matter what they ask you, you pivot back to those points you want to make. And so, I mean, anyone watching that clip can be the judge of whether I stuck to that. But I will tell you, there was another time uh, a couple of years, several years ago now, when I got asked to do a similar type of spot to talk about some issue that happened in a classroom. Maybe I, I think it was as petty as a teacher said, bless you to a student who sneezed. And this became a controversy because it's like that was religion in the classroom, which is ridiculous. But they had said, do you want to be the token atheist without saying those words to talk about this issue? And like, how dare that teacher say that? And I spoke with one of their producers like we had a Skype chat before this went live. And I basically said, there's nothing wrong with what the teacher said. It's not an issue. I've been a teacher in a classroom. And the issue is not that a kid sneezes and a teacher says something back, it's that sometimes, and you know it when it happens, when a kid sneezes, the class is like, ha, 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 and everyone, there's low-key chatter, 
and it's an easy time for kids to cheat on a test. And so for a teacher to get mad at a kid <laughs> for sneezing, it's like there's more going on. And I'm actually sympathetic to the teacher here without knowing any more details. And they were like, interesting, interesting. Then they said, hey, we're canceling the segment. Sorry, but thanks for saying yes. And then I saw the show that night. <laughs> they did have this segment and they brought on an atheist friend of mine who was against like this, the teacher in that situation. I'm like, I didn't play the role they wanted me to play, but that's how that stuff works <laughs> for you. But um, I mean, they don't ask me to do you those things. You got foam at the mouth. I know you really do. Um, because they want you to play a certain type, Fox, Fox in particular. Um, but again, what if you say yes? It, they work the same way as any other channel, which is you're only going to get a couple minutes on air, and you're only going to get about whatever 10, 20 seconds to talk. So you really do have to condense everything you want to say in a very short amount of time, and that is sometimes hard to do. And you don't want to become a meme for all the wrong reasons either. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, seriously. It's fun. Yeah. I mean, every they, time you watch those, like anytime you watch those quick interviews, you're just you as a viewer. I'm always like, this feels like a setup for everyone. Involved. Right. And, and Dude, with Fox, I feel like Fox, I feel like a setup <laughs> sometimes. I definitely yeah. feel like they will bring on the Tony Perkins person, but also the host is on his side. So it's kind of always a two against one situation. And so it's it's mm -hmm. very much a I, I remember that Fox one you mentioned where I went in thinking I have some one liners I really want to use as soon as they give me the opening, <laughs> I will say it. And then for whatever reason, I just didn't get a chance to. But like I remember going in, especially with those where I feel like I'm on the defensive thinking, all right, they're only going to give me a few seconds to speak without interrupting me. So you got to get as much in there as you can. And especially if they try to trip you up on a subject that it's not in your wheelhouse, which they try to do all the time. It's like, oh, man, I hope <laughs> I remember reaching out to a couple of friends. I'm like, listen, this is not the thing I specialize in. Do you have any quick ways to respond to this that I should be aware of? And and they were good about just sending me some quick one liners on certain topics. But like I try to get prepared, even though for those one second spots. <laughs> Dude, I seriously think that somebody getting mad because someone told him Merry Christmas is probably the only thing that makes Sean Hannity hard anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's and they I'm surprised they never they never bring me on to do the war on Christmas stuff. It's very disappointing. I feel like I've failed as an atheist. <laughs> oh, man. I know. Sidelined. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're the one you're the front lines of this war, man. And they won't even have I you know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> if only one day. How did you, um, when you, why, I guess, why did you start the friendly? So what's, cause you didn't grow up religious. That's correct. Right. No, I, or I you did, but religious. not like, yeah, no, it's okay. I, I grew up in a, a smaller Indian religion called Jainism, which again, short version of it. Don't be violent, be vegetarian. Don't think bad thoughts. It's a pretty nice philosophy, but they also believe in supernatural stuff that I didn't believe anymore. But it wasn't like insane. It wasn't fundamentalist. It wasn't traumatic. So I left because I just didn't believe the supernatural stuff. Um, but the long and short of how I got into all this is that in college, when I finally felt more comfortable in my own skin um, and my thoughts about religion, I wanted to meet other atheists. I happened to start a group with a, another college uh, person 
we started a group for atheists on our campus, which was not a thing a ton of schools did at the time. I feel like it's much more prevalent now, but there were tons of Campus Crusade for Christ or other similar Christian groups. There were just nothing for atheists. And so we started a group and it was wonderful. Like I got a chance to meet other atheists, which is awesome, but I got to, uh, we brought in speakers who were really interesting and who could tell stories from their perspective, like Dan Barker, for example, who is a former fundamentalist preacher who now runs an atheist group. Like he doesn't live too far away from Chicago where I'm at. So, you know, we could bring him in to talk. We did some debates. It was great. Um, but the person I actually started that group with said she worked with national nonprofit groups that promoted atheism and did church state separation work, which I found fascinating. I did not know that world existed. Um, and so she actually got me interested in that. I started I, again. I'm trying to make this long story short. I actually got involved with some of those boards of directors where I could actually play a role in influencing the work they do. And so, you know, when you get into that sort of world, you get to it's not a it's not a huge world, the the atheism nonprofit world, you know. So getting involved with one group at a leadership level, I got to meet a bunch of other group leaders. I find out what these different nonprofits do. Like, if you asked me before I started, you know, what do atheists really care about? What do they fight about? What gets their uh, hackles up? I, I would have thought it was maybe the God question, obviously. And it wasn't. Like, literally, none of them cared about it. They were more about the mindset of, we're atheists. We're good. We don't actually care about the debate. That's what we do maybe in our personal time. As activists, though, it's about church-state separation. It's about getting religion out of politics, things like that, which were issues I honestly didn't think about that much when I was uh, in high school or even in college to some extent. So it was interesting to see what they did in that side of the world. And along the way, as I was working with these groups, I uh, did this weird experiment that got publicity where I just said, I will go to church for the highest bidder on eBay and a pastor won the auction and he said, I want to send you to a bunch of evangelical churches because, yeah, he thought it would be funny in a good way to say, well, look, a lot of these evangelical churches reach out to nonbelievers. They have seeker services. They want you as a target. I mean, they're very open about that. So why don't you go to those services and see if any of them connect with you? And he made it very clear. He didn't care if I converted or not. He just thought it would be an interesting experiment. If an atheist listened to that stuff and then in exchange, I wrote about my experiences on his ministry's website because uh, that's kind of in the wheelhouse of what he did. And after I was done with that experiment and after I had a chance to write a book where I kind of did the same thing, I what I really enjoyed about that was not so much the going to church, but the idea that I could write about it and say, I liked this. I didn't like this on a blog format. And people were responding and it was actually a constructive feedback. Like if they agreed with me, it was praise. But if they disagreed with me, they were very much polite about it. And they were like, listen, I'm a Christian who goes to that type of church. I think you're misunderstanding what you're hearing there, which is why you don't like it. Let me try to explain it to you, which is an, a great type of comment. And so after I was done with that experiment, I'm like, well, I want to kind of keep that going. That was a fun conversation. And so I just began writing about more current events and and much less about my personal journey and a lot more about, look, I'm an atheist. Let's talk about this thing going on in the news because there is an intersection there that I, I can bring something to the table for. 
And now if you read the site, it's literally never about me personally and mostly about an atheist view on politics, current events, what have you. But that's kind of how I got into all this. Um, I was doing other stuff too, and now I do this full time. Yeah. Dude, that's so cool. Was it a, so you got into it, like you said, because of like the more nonprofit aspect um, and, and the things they were doing. It's funny because you mentioned like Christians, that there's some people who are into the debate, um, yeah. you know, just for maybe more for fun. But so growing up as a conservative evangelical going to Liberty University, I remember at Liberty University, one of the big, like the big things that happened that people were talking about for a while was when <laughs> was when Bill Nye debated Ken Ham. And yeah, yeah, that kill that, me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at the time, that was like something of I, I had started losing interest in that conversation anyway, that debate, but that that debate me yeah. thing feels particularly Christian. I have is it are there a lot of like people in these <laughs> atheist circles walking around looking for Christians to debate in the public square? Or are Christians mostly inviting them in uh, because they think that they can prove to people uh, that God's real after a forty five minute back and forth? Right, right. I mean, look, there are atheists who will have those debates, no doubt. I It's actually an interesting question of who's doing the inviting, because I do think it's usually Christians doing the invitations to all that stuff. Um, and I remember that Bill Nye one in particular, everyone who knew Bill Nye is like, you said yes? Why would you say <laughs> yeah. yes to this? Because Ken Ham is clearly trying to use your fame to build his platform uh springboard trying, springboard it he was trying to raise money for ark encounter at the time and this was a great publicity venue too and also like uh as many atheists would argue there's no debate to be had here what are you doing now that said um i initially thought it was a stupid idea to do the debate but i have honestly anecdotally i have heard from many people who saw that debate, watched it. And that was like the biggest seed that got them to lose their faith. So it's like, well, all right. I mean, I guess I was, I've heard more good from it than bad, uh, which is interesting because I thought there was no upside to this because you don't get a winner in those debates. Like you're joking, like 45 minutes later, are you really going to convince someone they're wrong about the thing they've built their whole life around? Of course you're not. But it does plant a seed. I do find debates valuable in that regard. Like, you're not going to change your mind tonight. But maybe if these thoughts are in your head, you'll think about them. And who knows where you'll, you'll end up. Um, but so there are atheists who do debates and are really good at it. There are a lot of Christians who are really good at doing those debates, too. Very few of them do I ever find interesting to watch. Because, again, what are you trying to convince me of? I think a debate, like, I'll give you an example. Right. I, I thought there was a really good one I saw years ago because both people were really good speakers and compelling. And the question was, is religion like a positive force in society? And that's a question you could actually, I think, debate because there are pros and cons. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with whether it's true or not. And that was actually a debatable topic to me. And that was interesting to watch. Um, the does God exist thing strikes me as a weird like you would do that debate for show for the audience who hasn't ever heard that conversation before. That's where it's useful. It's not useful for me as a debater. 
So it's like, so I, I don't do them <laughs> for that pretty much that reason. Um, but again, those, it does serve a purpose. There are plenty of people who have never heard the other side of those arguments until they listen to one of those debates. So, I mean, they are useful in that regard. So I was watching some of your debates. Like last night I was watching the one where you were, you were debating, uh, Sean McDowell. Yeah. 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 I don't even think that was a debate. uh, I think that was a conversation about a topic we disagreed about. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. So I'm sure it's hard to put a timeline on it, but Sean, you know, listening I must to uh, your response. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. It, w- it would have been 2019 with Sean. So like listening to some of your responses and stuff, is there like a specific moment that you can look back on where you thought to yourself, like, I think I might be a prick. <laughs> You know what? I remember um, I I would love to know which specific comment you would be referring to there. Um, What's always tricky for me in that sort of situation, which that situation was we were at a Christian conference. Sean, obviously, uh, Christian apologist, evangelical. I'm not. I'm the token atheist in that crowd that night. And like recognizing that it's. How can I put something artfully in a way that makes my point without also being so blunt that it comes off as me being a dick. Like that thought definitely goes through my head. And some like, there's also no nice, there's also no nice way to tell people like they've dedicated their lives to a lie, which is kind of (laughs) what that's kind of what atheism is in that venue. Right? Like me saying God doesn't exist. Like I'm telling everyone there, the reason you are all here You've you've devoted yourselves to lies. I don't know that there's a nice way to put that, but I know <laughs> in a situation like that, I know why I'm there. I'm trying to put it in a way that doesn't come off that way while still making my point clear. Um, again, did I succeed? I don't know. But that is certainly what goes through my head. Because again, that one was pretty respectful. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm genuinely not trying to go into those uh, events. And it's that's not the only one I've done where It was a conversation with a apologist or a preacher where they just want to know, like, hey, look, we want to exhibit what a conversation looks like with someone you disagree with. We are trying to get our church members to have those conversations, even if they might be afraid of it, which I'm all for, as long as it's, you know, a well-intentioned conversation like that. So let's display it for the people. And, And if you're doing that, it can't be a shouting match. It can't be a you're a moron for these reasons. It has to be like a well, here's where I'm coming from. Let's try to find the common ground on the stuff we can. So, again, there, it's a fine line. It's really hard to do it when it's purposely not a debate where you're trying to score points, but you're trying to get the audience to listen to you when they have no reason to otherwise. And I don't know, sometimes it's really hard to make your points as an atheist in that crowd without coming off as, as disrespectful. That's, that's definitely more like the Christopher Hitchens style where he's just like, yeah, pound them right between the eyes with, <laughs> you know? and that, that has value and that certainly moves some people. And it, again, if it's online, which that one in particular wasn't meant, I mean, it was taped and stuff. It wasn't meant to be like an online thing. It was an in-person event for a night. Where, again, the scoring points is great on YouTube, 
it's not as great when it's in a live room where the entire crowd is pretty much not on your side. So it's like if you're trying to score points by just mocking them or all that, I don't know that it's going to serve that purpose so much. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's funny. I, well, we'll really, really take those cheap shots on this podcast from time to time just for fun. But um, <laughs> we generally try to be somewhat thought like we, there's jokes and then there's thoughtful conversation around it. And um, if you are so inviting we, someone like I, I've done this on my podcast a couple of times, too, if you invite someone who you obviously disagree with and they're willing to have that conversation with you again, it, it would be very easy for both sides to take those shots at each other. I don't even know if they're cheap shots. I mean, I think they're legitimate in a lot of cases. But again, if they're here and they're willing to talk to you, I don't think there's any surprise with people. I'll give you an example. There was a woman years ago, creationist, who went viral because she went to a science museum and tried to be like, oh, look at this description of something like this exhibit is tens of millions of years old, this fossil But that's not true. And I know that because Genesis, whatever, it was ridiculous. And it went viral because like, why is this stupid person who doesn't understand science trying to out science the scientists here? Well, it turns out she doesn't live far from me. And I reached out at some point and we're like, do you want to have a conversation about this? Because it might be interesting, um, not just to talk about the stuff you talked about, but I kind of want to I think it'd be interesting to hear what your life was like after that went viral, which I think would be interesting, too. And we did have that conversation, but it's like, look, everyone who's listening to that, they know where I stand on the matter. They clearly know where she stands on the matter. It would serve nobody. We Nobody would learn anything by us trying to debate the science. She doesn't accept it. I do. Right. So right. the goal for me anyway in that conversation is like, it, like, where are you coming from, from this? Like, is there anything that would change your mind? I, they asked that, remember, in the Ken Ham debate. Like, is there anything that would change your mind? That's a more interesting question than Ken Ham. Why are you a creationist? I know what his answer is. Something, something Bible. Like, that's a boring conversation. So at least with (laughs) with a conversation with someone you know you disagree with, I, I don't think it would be useful for anyone listening to just focus on our differences, which they probably already know. Let's see if there's anything else interesting that we could dig up. And by the way, for what it's worth, the answer that I found, what do we have in common, like any uh, overlap, is nope, there is none with her. We did not find anything we agree on. We we disagree on frames of reference. We disagree on what reality is. Like, I don't know that it's possible to have that conversation. So it doesn't always work. Yeah, it's funny when you, you're, the question that you mentioned is, is there anything that would change your mind? I mean, that's really a question that's gauging so the type of person you're dealing with because the, i mean it's yeah. not like if you were like what kind of evidence would change your mind and that's not even really a good question because but it's just is there anything that could change your mind if you if you're the kind of person who says no to that it's like okay this is a, a, i mean you're basically saying there's no reason to debate me because nothing anybody says will change my mind and I, I think some people see that as strength and other people are like, well, then there's no reason to talk to you. Why would I engage yeah. with you if you're admitting that? Yeah. One of the things you said uh, that is something I actually really wanted to get into when you, you talked about having a conversation about whether or not religion is is good in the world. So that's kind of a part of what I wanted to ask you. But 
one of the things that I've been thinking about as someone who I, I still participate in like a Christian context, faith community, I'd consider myself Christian, I guess, Mm -hmm. but I also have had, we just um, had a guest on recently who was an evangelical pastor just to have this conversation with him. And he told me at the end that I'm not a Christian. So that's fine too. Like what people think (laughs) about it isn't really a concern to me. Um, It it wasn't as rude as it sounds. (laughs) I set him up too. It was a setup, and it was just for my own personal entertainment. But okay, um, one of so like so the conversations that that type of person that 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 the evangelical conservative Christian whatever the conversations they're trying to have with atheists while they want to have these debates and things like that oh, about create it's like all that it's just a lot of people who still f- were able to maintain a, a life of faith. Uh, we're able to move past those conversations because they're relevant. They're obviously not like true, like in, in regards to the whole creation thing. Like you, people like me have moved on from any conversation about a literal interpretation of the Bible. So at some just... point you figure out your, yeah. At some point you figure out your answers to those questions. Yeah. I mean, just take the, do you believe in God one? And once you have that answer and you're pretty satisfied with your answer, it's like, Okay, I don't need to hear a hundred different conversations about this. I've heard the general arguments from both sides. Like, I know what that conversation looks like. So, I mean, I, I don't watch those debates anymore. I don't participate in those conversations. Yeah. Anyone who reads my website, like, I'm not wasting my time trying to convince anybody God doesn't exist, which is weird because it's an atheist, I mean, very clearly an atheist website. But I'm very much of a, look, this Mm -hmm. is where I'm at. Either you meet me here or just find somewhere else. Like, I don't care. I am not interested in changing your mind on that fact. Uh, Either read it knowing you believe in God. Fine. Like, we're we're fine. (laughs) Or you don't. But yeah, that's exactly, I I don't waste my time addressing these issues that I've already dealt with because there's nothing new. Yeah, and the people who are who are dealing with those and want those conversations, there's too many. There's plenty of people doing it, and we the, yeah, the and there's so many space. good good resources too for people yeah. who are interested in exploring that for like the first time. I mean, I'm I'm almost jealous because I don't feel like I had those resources when I was in my yeah. teens and figuring this out. But man, if you want, I mean, if YouTube is your thing, if a podcast is your thing, whatever it is, there are probably almost certainly on all of these venues. There are some really good examples of all of it. I think when I was growing up, the only examples, if I wanted to look up, you know, atheist thought, quote unquote, there were a couple of books, maybe, but they were very academic oriented. Um, I, I Honestly, I don't even love the God delusion per se by Dawkins, but like that was the first time it was really laid out in layman's terms. Everything else seems so academic and so boring. But now it's like, oh, no, you could totally see people who look like you, talk like you, having debates with people who are the same way um, online, what have you. You could do it live. You could have those conversations like there are so many good, helpful resources. And if you like the philosophical side of things, the academic side, there's that, too. Um, Again, it's you have an abundance of options. So all the more reason for me to be like, I don't care about it at all. So I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And it's funny because even as someone who kind of, who still participates in that world with, of course, a more like liberal or progressive bent, like yeah. I'm past the, com- like, I don't even, even if it's like, if 
I'm at a, if people ask me if I think God exists, my answer is still, I don't, I don't know. Like I, yeah. and I'm not really, I don't, I just am not, I'm not dogmatic. For me, it's a framework and it's a good community and it's a place to ground myself and grow and, and, and allow people to be critical of me and be critical of other things. I don't know. It, it's good. And it's a, sure. a good, it's working well for me. But one of the things that I am, have been thinking about as someone who is part of something like that is I, I'm looking at the way religion expresses itself um i guess particularly in our country but you can also look across the globe and i'm like yeah is this just is this a net negative like at this point because when you just the expression of it has been so and of course you're hearing the poor expressions of it at a much um higher right, volume right, right, right now but i think the reason i consider this question is because you know i don't I don't, you can never take it away. You can always have a, whatever, a small group of people doing whatever it is they want to do, but trying to grapple with whether or not you can, if you eradicated religion, um, would you really, would you see much of a change or people who gravitate towards fundamentalism gravitating towards fundamentalist type religions right. or are people who grab gravitate towards liberalism and free thought gravita- gravitating towards more liberal ideations of the of faiths that pro- won't even be considered part of the faith by their conservative counterparts. You know what I'm saying? Right. So there's a lot to unpack there. Um, I, I mean, I let's talk about a couple things. One is progressive religious communities are my allies on pretty much everything that I personally would be fighting for politically, all that stuff. So, I mean, this has been a big change that I've seen in that atheist activism world, which is when it started off, it was a very insular, we do everything on our own sort of thing, because who who the hell are we? We're relatively small. Uh, even the largest atheist groups would like, I don't know, uh, they're nothing in terms of finances or size compared to like a low level Christian ministry. You know what I mean? So we always did everything on our own. Over the past few years, though, pretty much every national atheist group with some sort of footprint will sign legal briefs with progressive religious groups saying, look, we're all feeling the same way about COVID restrictions or First Amendment free speech issues. Like, we all support the following. They work together on that stuff when it's not a lawsuit, but just a a, a law or a bill or a... Uh, issue that we want to speak out about, LGBTQ rights. It's never just these atheist groups going at it alone. They work with progressive religious communities who feel the same way. And the general thinking here is we agree with them on their stance on these positions. They're doing really good work. They're building those communities of faith that actually end up supporting a lot of really good things. They do good work. Why are we fighting them? We shouldn't be. On the church-state separation side of things, on the let's make this a better world sort of thing, we're all on the same side. So let's work together on those issues and let's save the debating for later. And in fact, like the world of interfaith communities, explicitly interfaith communities, which used to exclude atheists, now include us in a lot of the things they do. Even the Biden campaign when they were in campaign mode They did their religious outreach, as any campaign would, but they also made sure this time to include humanist 
choices in there that were non-religious. Was it lip service and not much more? Probably. We'll see action-wise what that includes. But I'm just saying, like, uh, to go back to your question of the, the working together and stuff, there's a perfect example of a big change that I've seen over like the past decade, which is I have very little concern or problems with communities like the one you're talking about, because I don't care about your God belief stuff. It's kind of a, what are you doing with it? And by and large, those progressive religious groups are doing really good work. And I don't care about the spiritual side of things. That's on you. You, you do that on your own. But on so many values and issues, we overlap. I'm probably closer to you in terms of values, despite our religious differences, than you are to those fundamentalist evangelical uh, Christians as well. Which, again, it's like, are, yeah. who are you going to side with on a matter of on some issue or another? It's probably me. So that's like so in terms of is it a force for good? Yeah, I have no problem saying that religious communities, by and large, by the way, are fine. They're wrong, I think, on the God thing, but who cares? It's like, what are, are the people using their faith to try to make things better, to do good things? Do they support civil rights, things like that? A lot of them really do. Even, for example, a Catholic, the Catholic Church is against LGBTQ rights. They're against abortion. They're against same-sex marriage. But like most practicing Catholics who call themselves Catholics, are fine with all that stuff and they're supportive of that stuff. So I always try to make a distinction between like the hierarchy or the organization versus versus the people who are actually practicing it. And even then, like even among white evangelicals who are like such an anomaly when you look at any survey that they have to be their own group, they can't be mixed in with other Christians because they're like a large, very different (laughs) version of it. Um, even on that stuff, if you ask a lot of younger evangelicals what they think about various issues, they're more progressive than older white evangelicals. So um, this is a thing I've definitely tried to tell a lot of atheists as well, which is like, you can't just have this, I'm against everyone who believes in God mentality. You're all idiots. You're all the same. It's not a useful way to look at anything. You're not going to get anything done that way. Um If someone is praying for some reason, that in itself, I mean, you don't do it. You don't have to do it. You don't have to think it's useful. But like, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't hurt me. I'll let that one slide. Like, (laughs) I pick and choose my battles a lot more now. Because I do get a lot of people saying, hey, check out this. I'll give you an example. Someone said today, uh, as we're taping this, the state of Louisiana, the governor, who I think is a Democrat, like a conservative Democrat. I hope I'm right about that is doing like a day of prayer and remembrance for COVID victims. And the person who sent it to me is like, that sounds horrible. That's a mixture of church and state. But honestly, the if you read through what they said, it's like, no, if you want to pray for COVID victims, go pray. If you want to just remember them, moment of silence, something for them, you can go do that. That's fine. I'm not going to get worked up over that versus, say, another governor who's like, Today's a day when we're all going to read the Bible together to mark, you know, COVID deaths. There's a big difference. It's like, I'm not going to get pissed off just because someone's religious. Let me figure out what they're doing with it. Because the question of God is not going to get resolved. It's a much bigger question. But let's not pretend people who believe in God are automatically 
idiots or the enemy because you need them on your side on a lot of the issues you actually care about. Dude, I, I think that's a that's a great perspective and one that I feel like, I mean, I'm not plugged into the atheist community, mm-hmm. but a lot. So when you're not, a lot of what you end up seeing is the uh, the fedora wearing Reddit yeah. atheists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I feel like there's, you know, Sam and I have talked about a lot of those people came from a fundamentalist Christian background and they, when they leave, they become fundamentalist atheists. <laughs> right. I've said and that you mentioned Reddit, hard. right? Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. I've tried to explain this to other, uh, to other atheists too and some Christians. Like, yes, when you leave a religious background, you're almost fundamentalist in the other direction because you're now you've seen the light and now you want other people to see the light. And those memes that are on Reddit, the, the very broad brush, like religion is stupid sort of memes. I mean, they do nothing for me, like I said, because I'm already there. I don't need convincing. But if you've never seen it before or you see someone saying like, oh, the Bible is perfect. Look, I found contradictions. That's a thing that if you've never seen it before, that could be a, a really meaningful type of meme. So fine. And I try, I'm trying to tell people like the sort of people who might go to Reddit, Reddit atheism, who might find those things amusing. You're talking, like you said, to a lot of people who have just left religion who have not been exposed to this stuff for a long time, who are looking for some outlet to say, do any of the rest of you realize how silly some of this stuff is? And they've, they've never had the, they've never felt okay doing that. So like, don't be mad at them because they find that stuff funny that you find, I don't know, elementary or basic or broad brush. Like they've never been able to do it before. Let them have this. It's fine. But again, if that's the only image people have of atheists and that's such a public facing one. Yeah, it's it's hard to separate between the people who are atheists and have never had a chance to vocalize that before versus the sort of thing activists are doing on the ground or within larger organizations, which is nothing like any of those memes or anything and I feel like that's something worth pointing out. There's a difference between the Christians who annoy you on Facebook and the progressive religious leaders, uh, William Barber, for example, who does like the poor people's campaign and tries to get politicians to listen to him from a progressive Christian point of view. Like there's a wide difference there and you can't pretend like they're all the same. you mentioned like white evangelicals are kind of an anomaly in their own group. Yeah. Do like from, from your perspective and what you see out there, like do Mormons factor into that group too? I mean, are they, are they of the same, like, you know what? Activist bent. I don't normally, normally Mormons specifically don't show up on a lot of those surveys because I don't think there are enough of them to warrant their own category on a lot of those surveys. And by the way, for the same reason, atheists as a group don't always end up on those surveys either. We're always lumped in with the nuns, people who just don't have any religious label, even if they believe in God. So I think Mormons don't always show up for the same reason. So it depends on the issue. Uh, When you might see Mormons as a separate subcategory, um, 
I think it just depends on the issue. They're really progressive on certain things and then super uh, hardcore conservative on other ones. It just depends on which ones. But since white evangelicals encompasses when, when, your non-denominational churches and your Southern Baptists and things like that, there, there's enough of them to make a dent in our culture that their opinions on things, you want to take that into consideration in terms of like, we want to know what they're thinking about this because they really do stand out as a group from everybody else. Snake handlers. Yeah. <laughs> So one of the things you, when you're talking about the, um, I guess the juxtaposition of your, your Reddit atheism and, yeah. um, you know, the a, activists, Christians, one, I feel like one of the things that I, I've been thinking about, this is kind of like a, uh, and not super well fleshed out thought, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. And I want to hear what you, what you think of it, uh, mm -hmm. and engage with it. So I feel like one of the things that has, as, as I've, uh, evolved i guess in my my the way i look at the world and what i what my in my concepts of faith is that the versions of fundamentalism i don't care if you just switched over because you were like to write an atheism and you just need to just say how stupid all these people whatever it is that you're doing but what i, yeah. I feel like is on these these sides is you have you have people who are trying to convert people to a new way of thinking just and believing just yeah. for this because that's that the merit alone is based entirely on correct belief and then you have the types of people who are mm -hmm. just trying to convert people to a, a different way of living in a different way of being and i feel like that's the only type of things that i'm interested like that's what i like about what you're doing and that's why i like that you you know when you were talking earlier about allying with progressive christianity because to me, the beliefs are just what the, the, the metaphors or frameworks we choose in order to help us build out this life. But I, I think for the most part, when you get like there's a, you hit this point in your life and, and as someone who grew up as a conservative evangelical and have had plenty of talks with people who have they have this experience where they realize you don't get to know everything and you don't really get to know anything in some ways it, it, so all this everything fits in a perfect little box bullshit gets really old and you and you just go i've had the this boxes. conversation just... with a lot of go ahead yeah. that make i've had this conversation with a lot of atheists because i think a lot of them really i am not necessarily a fan of like the new atheists their books their their writing so much because it it does strike me as painting all religious people as the same and use and thinking that certain arguments against religion will be, if I just lay out the logic, you will change your mind. And if you don't, you're stupid. That's kind of the, <laughs> the mindset they all have. And this is a conversation that especially comes up in like the black atheist community, which is that what do you, you can't just think the logic is enough here because for a lot of people, uh, ex-Mormons understand this too. If Even if I accept your logic, what do you think I'm going to do now? You think I'm just going to stop being Christian or Mormon or whatever label that I, Jehovah's Witness? Like, I can't. If I leave, I lose my social safety net. I lose my family. I lose the community that I genuinely like, regardless of if I agree with them anymore. For some people, it could be a job. It could be volunteering opportunities, whatever gives you meaning in life. Like, again, the good churches 
and we all know what they look like. One, they take over your life. And I don't mean that in a culty sort of way. But like if you wanted to spend your entire life within that church bubble, you could do it because they have so many opportunities for you. But if you stopped believing in this stuff all of a sudden, think about what you're giving up. Like, how do you tell people, hey, look, God's a joke. Here's why. Now you don't believe. Now you don't have to go to church anymore. And it's like, but everything I love is back there. And if you don't give people a way to, uh, like a stepping stone out of that, like you can't expect them to just walk away. So for black atheists, this is a conversation they've had with a lot of people, which is you can't just say, here, read this Dawkins book and now you're an atheist and now you will leave because you're turning your back on your community, on maybe your culture, on your family, because it's more than just a belief in God. It takes over your life in other ways. Obviously, if you're a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon to some extent, too, if you leave, you're kind of excommunicated in a way that you won't have any interaction with your family. So, like, it's stupid for atheists to act like if I just convince you God doesn't exist, everything will be better. Because obviously, for so many people who believe, it's so much more than just a logical thing. So um, it's it's a conversation I've I feel like I've had with a bunch of atheists where it's like, all you do is think if I hashtag logic my way into this conversation, I will own this Christian I'm debating or I will win this debate or whatever it is. And that'll be the end of it. If you listen to me, this is the end all be all of all conversation. It's like I've seen some atheist churches who are like, we'll offer a uh, a way out. Right. We will have church without the God. It's like they're not just leaving because they want a version of church without God. There's so much more to some of these better churches that brings people back week after week to the point where even if you don't believe anymore, you might still go and you want to be a part of that community because it's not just about God for you. It's like what none of these atheist groups are doing anything that helps people leave churches because they don't seem to understand why people are drawn to them in the first place. It's not just a belief in God. And it's so annoying when you get the impression that for some people, they're like, the reason people are religious is because they're dumb. It's because they haven't logic their way out of this yet. It's like, there's so much more to it. How do you not realize that? Yeah, I mean, I even know people who are, and you can only do this in progressive uh, liberal circles. Um, but I know people who are, because when you when you drift out of the, of like the evangelical ideations of it, um, you like, no one can go back there. Like it's triggering <laughs> to go back to like your yeah. parents' church and stuff like that. It really, and I, even sometimes I forget, and then I get in conversations with people, and they start saying the rhetoric that I grew up with. I'm like, Ugh. there and, was a pastor like a few weeks ago who went viral for giving a very sexist, misogynistic sermon about like what a Christian woman should, yeah, yep. what, what he should be like. <laughs> but one of the comments that I heard in response to that from a lot of people was, you know, I don't go to this church. But man, I've heard that sermon so many times yeah. in in the, in whatever church I grew up in. It's one of the reasons they left. And even, you know, for some I'm hearing that sermon. And I'm like, I, I know how to pigeonhole this guy. I know what type of Christian he is, what he sounds like. I've heard him before. But for some people, it was triggering in a way because 
they thought they had left that environment. And I think part of them hoped they would never have to hear that sort of rhetoric again from a pulpit. And to hear someone so nonchalantly just talk about this stuff, it's like, oh, my God, it still exists. Even years after I thought I got yeah. away from this, it's like these types of people still exist out there. And I'm sure even uh, those were I, I've said this before when I visited those churches, like I went to some of those evangelical non-denominational megachurches. And as a theater type of person myself, I could I was taken in by some of what they were doing. I'm like, if I believed I would totally come to a church like this because it was compelling. The speaking was fantastic. Um, like it, I could see how it tugs at your heartstrings. I just don't believe in any of it anymore. And I can kind of see the tricks of the trade that they're using to get people intrigued by this stuff. But man, if I was a part of that growing up and this is what I was used to every week, it's like I could see how hard it would be to walk away from that and having nothing to replace it with, by the way, uh, at that level, you know. It's immersive for sure. Yeah. And it's it's funny, like having not gone to church for, you know, a number of years now, like getting those little snapshots of what's happening now and some of the things that have changed and some of them that are just the same as they've always been. Yeah. But uh, what cracks me up is like Christian nightmares. He always posts like these videos of, you know, contemporary pastors and they all either look like they're on their way into the club or they <laughs> were like an extra on sons of anarchy. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was the Instagram uh, preachers, preachers with, with sneakers. sneakers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, like, I don't know about that one. Oh my God. You're missing out. It's, it's a picture of those people doing their sermons and then a close up of their feet. And then here's those shoes. Here's what they cost. It's a lot. <laughs> um, it's so funny. And there's, I don't know the person running that account, but it's like, there's no shortage of material. I've heard people ask me that too. Like, there's no way this is happening long enough that you have uh, all this fodder. I'm like, I've been writing nonstop for like 15 years. Uh, there is no shortage of material. I have stuff ready to go tomorrow. Like, there's plenty of content out there and it never stops because some of these people will never change. And I've gotten this critique too, which is I'm only picking on the lowest hanging fruit. I think Christian Nightmares that account has gotten this too. It's like, you're just showing the the worst preachers. Like, okay, the misogynistic guy from a few weeks ago went viral. Come on, that's one dude who belongs to a small, who runs a small church in Missouri. But it's like, this guy isn't the anomaly. <laughs> yeah, it's, he's not just one dude. Like this type of preaching goes on everywhere. The, this isn't a fringe belief. It, it's kind of like the people who say the anti-vaxxer preachers. Or the Trump loving type of pastors like there's only a handful of them and they're all total, like everyone admits they're crazy. And we all know that it's like that that's not the anomaly. This goes on everywhere. And this mm. actually represents a lot. I write about Ken Ham and Answers in Genesis and the Creation Museum and Ark Encounter a lot. And I've gotten this so many times like. It's one dude. It's one theme park in the middle of Kentucky, a couple theme parks in the middle of Kentucky. Like, who cares? And then you'll see a survey. What percentage of Americans like believe in creationism? And it's like at least a third of the population, like only 100 yeah. million people believe this stuff. It's like, that's not one dude. I know they don't necessarily care about him, but like these beliefs are not fringe. 
let's stop pretending they are. It's the same thing I've heard in politics, too. It's like everyone focuses on like Marjorie Taylor Greene and the QAnon conspiracy. Uh, and they're like, why are you picking on one congresswoman who everyone admits is insane? It's like because she represents the views of like 74 million people who voted. Like, These are not yeah. fringe people. If they're fringe, I'll admit it. But she's not. There's like independent fundamentalist Baptist fringe. And then there's evangelical megachurch crazy, which is not we're not talking about a handful of people here. Yeah, the uh, yeah, refer talking because it's, it's not fringe. It's like it is. It's unfortunately a highly represented view amongst yeah. a lot of people. When, uh, but one of the, that that pastor that you mentioned, um, and it's like the internet really took to that. He, it's like their church shut down their website. The guy yeah. is like all of his YouTube. I've tried for removed. two weeks and to the, get updates on that church. No one there was, will talk to me. That was incredible. Um, but you're right. I mean, like, and people, of course, complain. He's complaining subtle. about cancel culture, but <laughs> yeah. Um, that pastor in particular was just so blunt about his sexism. A woman should look like Melania Trump. A, a woman should act like this. If a man cheats, it's the woman's fault. Like it was very blunt in a way that <sighs> most pastors, even if they believe that stuff, or if they believe in traditional gender roles, they're usually more subtle or more, uh, I should say, they know how to finesse that stuff. They're like, no, no, no. Women and men have equal roles in a relationship. They just have different roles in a relationship. Like even that sort of thing is less harsh. But this guy had no nuance there. He's just very blunt about it, which is why I think it was so jarring. And I also think a lot of people like, I heard that and I'm like, yeah, I've heard that sermon a bunch of times from other people. Like, that's not new. That was a Mark for, Driscoll go to stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, I've heard those types of things many times. But but for someone like him, for some people to just see it so raw. And I mean, I remember uh, I posted just a, a super cut of a 20 minute sermon. I condensed down to about two minutes, but it wasn't out of context by any means. It was just, here's kind of the worst of the worst. And I think people are, every time I post something like that, they're always just, you've got to be kidding me. This guy runs a church. And my the thing that I tried to point out to people is, the problem isn't one dude on stage who not just is a hypocrite in terms of how he's saying women need to look good. Um, he's not exactly like Brad Pitt over there. But again, it's not. He's a dime piece. Yeah, it's not exactly one dude. It's the fact that he's been saying this sort of stuff, according to everyone who was commenting on it, who knows the guy and knows the church. They're like, he gave a sermon like this two years ago. And we, we saw a video of that, too. But the point is, he's been saying this for two years. He still has people going to his church, people who know him, people who are laughing at the sermon he was giving. That's the issue. That's the thing that bothers me a lot because he's been saying the same stuff for years. Clearly, people are not leaving his church because of it. Clearly, he's been doing the shtick for years and no one that he cares about has called him out on it because the church culture is still there. And unless the culture changes, I mean, I know you probably cover this yourselves like there's a big me too movement within the church community too where uh women who speak out against pastors or abuse and who are never taken seriously are at least to some extent being taken seriously more so now 
And that's a good thing. But the reason it's a problem is not because one church mishandled it or one ministry mishandled it. It's because this has been going on everywhere. And we're just hearing those stories now. And good for them for speaking up. By the way, atheist community, too, has heard this, too. It's not just one bad egg. It's for a lot of women who would tell you this, like, no, this is just a general sexism that we've let slide for too long. And it's about time it gets called out. So, again, uh, that's one thing I try to point out with that pastor in particular. Like, the problem isn't one jerk of a pastor saying this stuff. It's that this guy runs a church where this was just acceptable for a long time. And everyone who goes to that church knows he talks like this, and they never left. They were always fine with it. Or at least they weren't bothered enough. That's by an to archetype, leave. too. Yeah. yeah th that's like a, a, a trope that I think any of us that were around Christian communities and stuff for a long time, we saw that guy quite a few times. He's the guy that that, you know, his thing is, you know, all these other softball preachers aren't going to tell you what the Bible says. I'm going to tell you what it says. <laughs> yes. That's why I do. I preach the unfiltered word. You don't right. like it. Right. <laughs> there's, a, there's a door, brother. I appreciate how your accent became more Southern, as you yeah. said. That. Yeah. <laughs> it's involuntary. <laughs> One of the things that's so tough about, like, trying to, like, squash out some of this, uh, the, these damaging aspects of the, that culture is, like, because, I mean, of course, as you said, I mean, and I know of some, very few, very few, but there are some like white evangelical movements where I couldn't go to their house of worship because it would just be a triggering experience to some degree. But mm -hmm. I see that the way they're getting involved in social issues and I can put that aside and we can just have a conversation and work with these social issues. But one of the things that's so hard about when, when this like really fucked up stuff comes up in church and people write about it and you try to shut it down. And of course, you know, we maybe had a bit of a success story with Mars Hill and Mark Driscoll. But I mean, he's back like these. It's like right. they're weeds. You stop but he's back. Yeah, he's running a church. Yeah. And you, you stomp this stuff out. You call attention to it. But and of, and of course, the immediate response is they'll view any form of shutdown as persecution and validation that they're, in fact, saying and right. doing all the right things and trying to deal with a mindset. Yeah, this like is one is thing so that hard. scares this is one. Th you know what's surprising? Were you guys around when Ted Haggard went down? I, Do I don't remember story? it. I've Rogan talks about it all the time. Short, short version of it is ran one of the biggest evangelical megachurches, growing churches in the country, leader of the National Association of Evangelicals, believes all the things you would expect a white evangelical to believe. And then it turns out he's been paying a male escort uh, for their rendezvous and he gets caught with this and he has to resign and he resigns from his church. Here's the thing though. After like some time off, he started a new church, very Driscoll-ish, but he started a new church and he basically disappeared from public scrutiny. I, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, he very much said, if I care about Jesus, let me just run my church in a Jesus way or whatever. Um, but he doesn't, He's not a public figure in any way. I've genuinely, I've tried to reach out to him to do interviews. He politely has declined, which, okay, fine. I, I respect that. You don't have to grant me, you don't owe me anything. Mm -hmm. um, but that's a very different cry from a lot of these people who just, like Driscoll, who will come back and just try to reemerge elsewhere. But to get to the point you were making, um, this is one thing that scares me, which is that the progressive churches 
the, when we talk about Christianity is losing ground in the culture in terms of numbers, because more people are are becoming non-religious, even if they're not atheist, the what will bring people in? It's like a more radical form of the thing. And so for the same reason, Trumpism is going to survive for a while because people love that sort of rhetoric. It's the same reason like Charlie Kirk, Ben Shapiro, Fox News will always be a landing place for people who want that stuff. But if you take a lukewarm approach on this stuff, which is the safer, (laughs) healthier way to approach any of this, those are the ones who are losing numbers. You know, like those hardcore, this I preach the unfiltered Bible, they're actually going to be fine. They will always have an audience for that sort of the thing, that thing that says, I have the answers I will guide you. I will provide you the answers you seek. That's always going to be there. The ones that say, we're going to teach you the Bible, but you know what? We don't know everything. We are going to try to figure this, whatever, this thing we call, let's do life together, whatever the Christianese version of that is. They're the ones (laughs) who are like missing out, but the hardcore fundamentalists of any group, whether it's right-wing politics or even fundamentalist Christianity, all that stuff, they will always have an audience because people don't want to think for themselves. Um, and to have someone who says, I have all the answers, just come to me. I'm giving it to you right here, no matter how harmful that stuff becomes. I mean, just during the pandemic, how many pastors are like, yeah, they can't cancel us. We're going to meet regardless of COVID restrictions. You don't need masks here. It's all a hoax. But when they say it with confidence, and they say it like they're doing whatever God wants them to do. They're they're unfortunately going to find an audience for that stuff. And that's a scary thought that the groups that are growing on any side are the more hardcore versions of it. How much you want to bet that's what the Hillsong guy does? He comes back in like a year and goes like full on Far Cry 5 villain. OK, imagine <laughs> that uh, Carl Lentz and uh, uh, Jerry Falwell Jr. and whoever else are all going to take a year off. Then they'll go on. I found God again. They go on their apology yeah. tour together. Like, yeah, it's totally going to happen. And we I could pr- we can all predict how it's going to look, too. I've had some time off. I read the Bible some more. I realized the mistakes I had been making, but now I figured it out. I've written a book about it and boom, here we go. Here's my new thing that I'm starting. Um, like, yeah, it happens a lot. I One that actually took me by surprise, um, Joshua Harris, the purity culture guy, the I kiss dating goodbye guy yeah. who tried to come back and didn't realize why he was a problem in the first place. But then it seemed like he did disappear <laughs> Like, genuinely, he's off the face of the earth right now doing whatever it is he's doing, as opposed to he tried to make a comeback where he tried to fix the mistakes people called him out on with purity culture. And then he like whatever he did, people are like, you haven't figured it out. You're making the same mistakes again. And then he's like, you know what? I'm just going to disappear for a while. And no one missed him at all. But he's gone for a little bit. Like there are some people it's like, I don't think he's coming back anytime soon. And that's good. Like. Good. You Let's, should disappear. go live your life privately for a little while because you've done enough damage. That is the anti-Mark Driscoll approach. Yeah. If if there was like some questions that you would want to ask him, should he like appear on a on a podcast? Yeah. You know, Joshua maybe Harris, you could you send us an, an email. I, <laughs> I know. I mean, I would love to I would love to get a genuine answer about like what I want to hear from him. 
or any of these pastors who disappeared. Ted Haggard, too. I would love like what did you do wrong? And like because the critics clearly won those arguments in those situations. But like at what point do you realize the critics are right? That's kind of what I want to know, because Ted Haggard, I don't think, has changed his mind, I would guess on LGBTQ rights. He was always against them. I imagine he's the same now, despite his own controversy. But like Harris, I would be really interested in hearing him explain. Like, I want in your words why you were wrong about purity culture. What did you not get before when you were 20 and told everyone how to date because you think you're an expert? By the way, this is on YouTube. There are some people on YouTube who are also purity culture types who it's like, it's like getting sex advice from a virgin. It's I don't think you know what you're talking about <laughs> enough to give legit advice. Like there's a big difference. You act like you're experts on this, but you don't know. <laughs> like it, it would be very different if you had like a Dan Savage type say, let me explain to you why I'm for celibacy or something, because at least you have more experience and stuff. There's a big difference. But it's a lot of times you get to get dating <laughs> advice from Joshua Harris when he was, what, 20 and just married, like to say, I know enough about dating to give you advice. And it's taken seriously enough that it does as much harm as it did to a lot of young Christian women. Like, I want to know from him, like, OK, what did you get wrong? So people who are listening might not make that same mistake again. Um, that I would genuinely be interested in. I have also reached out, by the way, to some of the people who I think have no ability to change their minds like the hardcore anti-gay rights anti-trans like christians i've reached out to some of them like would you be up for a conversation about this not a debate because we're not going to change your mind on it but i kind of want to know where you're coming from i want to know how many gay friends you have since you act like you're an expert in this stuff like define some words for me i just want to hear them say that um Every, every now and then they'll respond to the email. David Duke like, oh, won't answer your emails. I know, exactly. It's very depressing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the weird thing is some uh, of, of those things people, I've, I, I mean, I'm not equating the two in any way. Sorry to interrupt. Like uh, Sean McDowell, for example, Christian apologist. I know where he stands. I'm not equating him to, to any of the stuff we just talked about. Awesome in person. I could easily have a conversation with him. He's very nice. I There are a couple creationists who I write about and I trash for good reason online when they say things. Um, I'll give you an example. Ray Comfort, the, the banana is the atheist worst nightmare video guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, no. I, that's the reaction every atheist I know has when I mention his name. I have talked to Ray Comfort many times. I've said this before, too. Like, he's genuinely really nice. Um, he'll respond to any email I send to him. He'll answer any question if I'm doing a post or something. And I'm like, Ray, do you have any comment on this? He'll respond back. Uh, and I mean this genuinely, like in a way that I really appreciate. He's wrong about everything. I mean, I, I've said that to his face. He knows where I stand on that stuff. But like, I appreciate that he will have a conversation and respond to that stuff. Because there are some people who are just like, you oppose my thinking on this stuff. So I don't want to have that conversation at all. Um, there, there are always a couple people whose views I find abhorrent, but who will genuinely have a talk with me about it? If I wanted to, like, I appreciate that. That's not always the case. So. It's, it's been funny, like doing this podcast, because there's some of my some of my friends and stuff that have listened to it that did not grow up in these environments, don't know a lot about like super conservative, yeah. you know, evangelicalism. 
and there's just certain things that that like multi like every single one of them will bring up to me the next time I talk to them where they're like like we talked about the water canopy theory of creationism I don't know this one wait what's the water can like the waters above us yeah, yeah it's so like, like it's, it's like a dome like we live in yeah. a dome basically the firmament yeah. is the word yes that used okay for dispersed sunlight evenly which kept the whole planet right. like a tropical paradise and people live 900 years and right. then when noah the whole built genesis the ark, yeah the whole genesis one story yeah yeah like <laughs> that or like i showed a couple of people the banana video yeah. and they're just like i this i don't, I don't even what is this <laughs> <laughs> And and of course, all of us, we who are immersed in this world, have heard it. We're like, no, we've heard this many times in many different forms. This is not new to us. But uh, yeah, telling people, no, seriously, some religious people do believe this stuff. I know it sounds crazy, but this is I mean, just think about uh, evangelical hell houses on Halloween, where it, if you're not part oh. of the culture, that seems insane. But if you're in it. It's a totally normal thing you just kind of do. Um, even music, I mean, just... Yeah, we had I, one at Liberty. Oh, I'm sure you did. <laughs> even musicians, yeah, yeah. like it the was most a big, popular... It was a big draw. <clears throat> yeah, I'm sure. that Christian musicians who are super popular within the fold... I mean, there was a, there was a popular song that... Uh, I'm going to screw up all the details, so I won't even try. But there was a really popular Christian song. And if you ask anyone who's not a Christian, oh, you know the song that was number one on the charts for like... 10 years running and they're like never heard of the person never heard of the song it really is a different subculture that you're not a part of and if you're a part of it you're really a part of it mm -hmm. you are immersed in that stuff yeah it's one of the things that you that's obviously comes up a bunch is is the topic of creation and i think one of one of the, I think the, one of the things I have such a like whatever beliefs that people develop or theologies that they have, if they're not obviously hurting people, that's fine. And I think some right. people would want to put into the camp of this one's not hurting people would be creationism. And I have a huge problem uh -huh. with that because to, for me, especially like, that's the kind of stuff that laid the groundwork, I think for not taking uh serious, like academic criticism in science. Uh, seriously at all which is like gives you like the right. option to dismiss information that you don't like like you it lets you create your own world and say like i'll the information i accept or don't is solely based on how i feel about it and, and not about its merit and that's that's what i i'm right there with you if it it tells you all these answers are right there in the book and that's a bad way to tell people to get knowledge. One of the best. Have you guys been to the Creation Museum? Not Ark Encounter, <sighs> but the Creation Museum. I haven't. I, I wanted haven't. to go so bad with when they're opening it for the reason sure. you would think back when I, <laughs> I was like, "This sounds like a great one place." Of the, and that, and that, when one of the it. <laughs> one. I was there on opening day. It was a. It was a. It was something. I. Uh, one of the best critiques I heard of that place, which I think speaks to exactly what you're talking about is, you know, if you go to a real museum, you know, you walk in a building like that, you can go to the exhibits you want to see, you can go to the wings or the the uh, types of art you want to see in a real museum. The Creation Museum literally has your path drawn out for you in terms of how you move through it, which is perfect like creation. <laughs> it, yeah, it's perfect creationism thinking right there. There is only one way for you to go. We've figured it out for you. You don't get to make any decisions. You don't ask questions. 
this is the way you move through our museum, which again, if you go to a real museum, there's no art museum that says this is the path you visit all these exhibits and portraits or whatever. But again, yeah, it teaches you the Creation Museum, Ark Encounter. They teach you that all the answers are in this book. It tells us everything you want to know. If you doubt it, there's something wrong with your thinking by asking these questions and by searching for answers. You know, if you're not using the Bible as your starting point, you are doing something wrong. There is something deeply harmful about that sort of thinking. And if you're wondering, like, why are so many, why are white evangelicals the one religious group least likely to get vaccinated or to want a vaccine for COVID right now? It's all part of that thinking that says the answers are in this book. If it's not in this book, it's not legit. You're being led astray or something. Like when we start telling people, don't listen to scientists, they don't have the answers. We are making like that is not an academic question anymore. Now it gets into public health. You know, I just I just wish we could get rid of that stupid verse in Matthew where Jesus talks all about not getting vaccinated. That really. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All the all the lines where Jesus says, oh, man, trans people, what gives like (laughs) the fact that people make such a big deal about things he never talked about. And again, progressive Christians talk about that all the time. Like, no, no, no. We're the ones actually quoting the Sermon on the Mount. We're the ones quoting the words here. Like, don't listen to the rest of them. <laughs> Dude, what's what's really fun is like getting behind a uh, a super conservative family at a museum. Oh, God. And like, so you're overhearing the narration. So we yeah. went to this. There's this like, it's it's small, but it's really cool. In Oklahoma City, there's like this bone museum. Okay. And they just have skeletons everywhere. I mean, it's really impressive. Okay. And uh so we're walking through and there's this family of like four, you know, parents are probably like late thirties and I'm overhearing them as they walk along. And then at one point the mother argued with the son about whether or not reptiles laid eggs. Okay. And then, and then like shortly after they stopped at a sign that was talking about millions of years ago or evolution or yeah. something. And they just like directly like, like disregard that. Don't okay. read that. We don't believe that. <laughs> you know, it was just like so funny uh, to listen to. Yeah. And it's bad for the I feel so bad for those kids, too. It's like, oh, what are you doing to them? You're stifling their curiosity. That's the that's the best tool they could have right now. And you're basically telling them, no, if you ever need answers, don't ask questions. It's it's right here. How many atheists exist now because they ask questions about the Bible to their Sunday school teachers or their pastor only to have them respond with like, just have faith. Don't ask that question. Yeah. Like things like that, where it said, no, you're the thing you are doing wrong is questioning the stuff we tell you. You shouldn't do that. Like, man, that's a horrible way to go through life. Yeah. Man. I feel like we're uh, we're running out the end of our time here, Hammond. But I, mm-hmm. I wanted to know if you have uh, if there's any any uh, anything you kind of want to just like hit home before we close out here. I know we've kind of covered some groundwork here, but I keep asking questions. I there are so many, like I said, there's so many good resources out there for people to use, and I've I genuinely don't care if anyone becomes an atheist or not. I'm not even really in the business of trying to convert anybody. 
despite whatever my website is or my YouTube channel. Like, I don't actually care <laughs> if anyone agrees with me on this stuff. But I think there's a lot of value in just pointing out reality, pointing out facts, giving credit to, to religious people doing good work when it's deserved. Um, mm -hmm. But I also think it's important to call out bad behavior in the religious community. One thing that always frustrates me is when I don't hear enough progressive Christians or uh, moderate may be the wrong word. But like, for example, that pastor we talked about in Missouri who was sexist, like, it's one thing for me to call that out. Where are other Christians doing the same? And it's that is an extreme example. But like if you see pastors doing something wrong, even if it's uh, not as extreme, but like someone saying. I'm trying to give an example, I can't even think of a specific example, but I want to hear more Christians willing to call out people in yeah. their own flock. Um, sometimes it happens. That's great. Um, I wish it wasn't just like the progressive Christian voices online willing to call out bad behavior. But I think we would all be better off if people who go to church were willing to call out their pastors. I'm not saying make a big public mm -hmm. spectacle out of it, but like talk to them. Be willing to walk out of that church if you don't agree. I'm not even saying come to my side, like go to another church. I'm sure there's a fine one near you. Um, you don't have to stay at a church that is hurt, spreading hurtful messages. I wish I think if more people did that. If more people disagreed, like with the Catholic Church on doctrine, they should leave that church. There are plenty of progressive Catholics as well. But like that to me would be a big deal. Um, I know I, I say this with atheist organizations too, though it's, again, smaller potatoes here. But don't be afraid to call out bad behavior even in your own community. Um, it it shouldn't be... I, I sometimes see church state separation issues where it's like, who's filing the lawsuits because a governor did something or a politician did something. It's always atheist groups. It's like, where are the Christian groups who are also mad about this? Why aren't, why do we have to take the yeah. helm on this all the time? And the same thing applies, even if you're not a lawyer, but like in your church, if someone says something, I want to see more Christians call it out. I would love to publicize when Christians call out bad behavior in their churches. Um, I feel I, I know it happens, but it happens a lot less than I wish it would. So anyway, I'm, the people who would listen to a podcast like this, I think, are people who are willing to do it. Good. Keep doing it. Spread the word. Uh, there's bad behavior in the church, and it means yeah. more when the Christians are the ones calling it out than atheists who are already predisposed to not like it, you know? Or the liberal Christians who are often considered worse than atheists yeah, to uh, exactly. some of these more conservative churches. Lukewarm. <laughs> yeah. Dude, speaking yeah, I want of the Christians who are like upset that they didn't. I want the Christians who are like, no, 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 I'm going back to this church next week. But in the meantime, let me explain why my church is wrong about this. Like, man, that would be a big deal. That would be huge. I'd like to see that too. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, uh, were you upset that they didn't cast you as yourself and God is not dead? <laughs> I I know it's a big missed opportunity. Don't worry, God's not dead. Four is coming soon. I didn't know there was this a three. Your opportunity. That's your big break. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> it's film. I believe it's done filming in Oklahoma City of all places. Um, That's awesome. I think they're done. I filming. I feel like there was so a missed opportunity out. there. I feel like there was a big missed opportunity with the title of God's Not Dead 2. It should have just been like, <laughs> you know, when you're God's on not four, dead too, God's still not dead. <laughs> yeah. Too fast, too dead, whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> God's too I fast. Feel, I feel too like furious. those movies 
do my work for me sometimes. They're so comically awful and so stereotypical that it's like, please go watch that movie. Like, you don't have to listen to anything I say. Just yeah. go watch it. You'll <laughs> be an atheist by the time you leave. <laughs> do you oh, got anything man. coming up, man, that you um, um, want to direct people to other than just you know your what? website if anyone's watching, If anyone's watching this on YouTube, go to friendly search friendly atheists on youtube subscribe to the channel otherwise uh i don't know there's always different projects going on but everything i do is usually at uh, friendlyatheist.com or on the youtube channel friendly atheist so just check those out if you can i would appreciate it awesome well thanks a lot for joining us it was a this is a good conversation we appreciate your perspective and your work i think it's it's great work and uh, it's been I influential to me over thanks the past. sam almost decade. Thanks, Sam. Thank you, Casey. That was, it was a fun conversation. And thank you to anyone listening to all this. All right, guys. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in and we'll talk to you next time.